The serpent came to Eve and presented a very twisted statement. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? This is such a tricky thing to get free from. When truth is presented with a lie, and they're mixed together, look at how subtle this statement is. Hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? It is presented in a way that you've got partial truth and partial lie. Shall ye not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, the truth was you could eat of all the trees of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But all the other trees you could eat of. But he is saying to her, Hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now Eve answered him pretty well. But there's just one problem with her answer. She added something to the word of God. If you add something to the word of God, you will find you are not strong enough to stand because you know God has not said that part of the statement and therefore you you can't quite state what God has said clearly and keep doing it because you've added something to it. You can't mix truth with untruth. It will destroy you. Therefore, you have to be very careful how you handle the Word of God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, the woman answered the serpent. And she said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it. And then she added, Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And well, it's a good idea, isn't it, that if you don't touch the tree, you won't eat of it. But it's not the word of God. The following is what God commanded to Adam. Genesis chapter 2. Start at verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. He was free to eat all of these good fruits in all these other trees, but not from the one tree in the midst of the garden. And the serpent said to the woman in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, Ye shall not surely die, 
For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. People very much want to be as gods. They want to be able to do things themselves. They want to be able to control their own lives. It is a humbling experience to bow down before God and ask Him for help. But that humbling experience is the thing that makes our way safe. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's Proverbs fourteen twelve. And in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Keep his commandments before you. Do what he says. Keep his word before you. Go that way. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Fear what will happen to you if you change and go another way. When you have the word of God, there should be a fear attached to it. If you try to go another way when God has given you a word, you put yourself in a very, very dangerous, deadly position. But if you go in the way of God, you receive all the blessings of God. So the serpent has said to Eve, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. One of the first things God taught me was a scripture in John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear from God, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. When I saw that, I thought, well, if Jesus can't do anything of his own self, I certainly can't do anything of my own self. Hearing from God and following him is the way to go. That should be our foundation as we go forward in this life. If we are really godly, we know we can't do anything unless we hear from God. But the world wants to control their own life. So Eve here is very interested in this statement made by this devil. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, now she had all this other food around her. She didn't lack food. She could eat from every tree of the garden except this one tree. But when she saw it was good for food and that it was pleasant to look upon to the eyes and it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And that was the beginning of sin the downfall of man for the world. Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 5, Trust in the Lord. If he says don't do it, don't do it. If he says you may freely eat from all these other trees, eat from them. Be content. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. 
and lean not to thine own understanding where you explain it. Just, if this is what God says, there's no counsel against it. Just do it. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, pray, ask him what to do, and he shall direct thy paths. Verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul describes Antichrist who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I attended a church once that taught us to do this. It was very subtle. Devils are very subtle. We didn't recognize that this is what we were doing, but it is what we were doing. This church was Word of Faith, which I attended from 1977 to 1982. We were being taught to be as God, not to turn to God, but to be as God, making things happen by finding a scripture which justified our getting what we wanted, claiming that scripture daily, putting that scripture into our prayers daily to get what we wanted. We weren't asking God to show us his will. We thought we knew his will. So whatever it was that we were wanting, we looked for a scripture which seemed to justify our getting that thing we wanted. And then we claimed that scripture daily until we got what we wanted. And if we didn't get what we wanted, they would say, well, your faith wasn't strong enough. So we were caught in a trap. And we were even taught that we could take authority over the devil and stop things such as hail from striking our house. Now, later in reading scriptures, I saw that hail was from God. But this was so twisted, this doctrine. It was called the authority of the believer. And we were taught that we, were, we could stop the devil from bringing illness to us. And we could stop the devil from bringing illness to our household, to anyone in our household, that we could command the devil to leave us alone. Vanetta Copeland, who is the mother of Kenneth Copeland, told me this story. One of the children, the Copeland children, was very sick and was really at the point of death. And they were standing around the bed of the child, quoting scripture and claiming scripture. Vanetta, who had been raised Baptist, she went into another room, got down on her knees, and began saying to God, please, God, help this child. She wasn't trying to be God with their doctrine. She was desperately trying to get help. But people love the idea of controlling everything. And therefore, this faith movement is very popular. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people who want possessions and want to control things 
and are offered a way to do it through scripture which seems godly, thousands of them go to this movement. This is not trusting in God, nor turning in prayer to God, but rather trying to be God. And we were never told to seek the will of God. We were supposed to know the will of God and look for scripture basically to justify that which we desired for ourselves. And this is exactly how Paul described Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, where he said, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, the faith movement's not the only Antichrist church. There are many Antichrist churches who have removed portions of Scripture and allowed Antichrist to move into their churches. They've taken out unpopular Scriptures, such as the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That's an unpopular Scripture. They've taken out unpopular Scriptures and have changed them to please the people, also to get more people to come to their churches. They take these scriptures out by various means. Sometimes they just never mention that scripture of Matthew 5, verse 32. They just delete it from ever speaking it. And they speak, so to say, speak good things to the people, things that will make the people joyful and happy and will permit them to live in various sins. For you will not repent unless you see that this is a law of God. And if you violate this law of God, you do damage to yourself. I attended a luncheon at Texas Tech University in the years that I lived in Lubbock. It was assigned seating, and I was assigned to be seated next to a man who was wearing the largest cross I have ever seen he was wearing it around his neck. It had to be at least six to eight inches long. He began talking immediately to the people at our table. He said he was former pastor of Indiana Street Baptist Church. And he said, oh, we have such a problem at the church. Well, everybody looked at him wanting to know what the problem was. He said, we have built onto the church three times and we still don't have enough seats to seat the people who want to attend our church. I spoke up and said, if you would teach what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 32, that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, about half of those people would get up and leave you and you won't have any problems seeding the congregation. His mouth fell open. I got up and fled. I wasn't going to sit through a dinner next to this man. But this is truth. When you see a very large church gathering, how did it get so big? It's not because people are flocking to hear the word of God. 
they are being approved somehow by that church. In the 1980s, I was on radio from, frankly, from coast to coast, from New York City to Seattle to Los Angeles and places in between. God had given me messages on taking thoughts captive, dealing with destructive thoughts, following God by His Spirit. I was very popular with those messages. So a great many people came to my meetings. I would go into the city where I was on radio and rent a room at the convention center or rent a room at the hotel, a meeting room. And people would come and I would have meetings for the radio audience. Very often, I would also be invited to speak to some church group on a Sunday. And I remember one group in particular, it met upstairs in this building, and it was just packed. They couldn't get all the people into the building, and they put speakers out on the driveway so they could hear what I was saying. And one day I realized I wasn't invited to come to that church because of the Word of God that I would speak. I was invited to come to that church because I was popular And people from other church groups would come to that church, and some of them might decide to continue with that church group. And they would have more money because the offerings would increase. I was just horrified when I understood that I was not being invited to that church group because of the Word of God that I would speak, but rather because I was popular and other people would come to that church group, and perhaps some of them would stay at that church group and they would get more money. These are some of the Antichrist churches operating today. There's this interesting scripture in John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. Jesus says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. They're trying to get life through the scriptures. You can read it this way, which is very accurate. You search the scriptures, for you think in them you have eternal life. But really, What you do is just fall down before God and say, help me. Here's how it works. In 2021, I was 83 years old. And all of a sudden, I was bombarded by the devil with thoughts. Now, the devil doesn't come saying, I am the devil. If he said that, we wouldn't listen to him. But it comes in a more subtle way than that. It's just a thought that comes into your mind. What if this happens to you? What will you do if this happens? What will you do if that happens? And I turned to God and I said, Oh, God, help me. And instantly I heard, God will supply all your need. And I said, That's right. And all of a sudden it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders and all this joy came back to me. The devil brings thoughts to disturb us. 
And as long as we will wrestle with those thoughts and think about them and mull over them and try to consider a way out, we will be tormented. But the minute we cry out, God help me, he will. And then joy comes back. You can tell which is the Holy Spirit and which is the devil. The devil troubles you. There's grief involved. But with the Holy Spirit, there's love, joy, and peace when he brings your word. So you know which one is speaking to you, which one is bringing that thought to your mind. Does it bring love, joy, peace, comfort? Or is it torment and concern and anguish? If it's torment, concern, and anguish, it's the devil. And the devil brings thoughts to each person. So we have to know that troubling is, it's not going to be from God. We can already know the troubling that we're having is from a devil. If God wants us to make a change in our life, I found that he doesn't do it like the devil does. There's some other way that he will get your attention that you need to make an adjustment. But that devil, when he is speaking to you, you have to remember that everything the devil says is a lie. John eight forty four, Jesus said there's no truth in devils. There's no truth in them. But they come to you to try to make you be fearful. If the Holy Spirit wants to correct you, I found that he just calls your attention to something and it's not all that fear and anguish. And then you can make a correction. But most of the time, the Holy Spirit speaks to me to comfort me and give me options. Jesus said, when he, the comforter, is come, he will do this. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. And the Holy Spirit is always the spirit of truth. What he says is always truth. And he brings thoughts to your mind to show you what to do. Because the Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to reveal to us the will of God for our life at that specific moment in time. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit who is in us will unravel the lies that other people speak. And he will set our doctrines straight again. There is much deception today in churches, in the teachings and in the doctrines. Paul told us what to do about this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It's God who teaches us. It's the Spirit of God who assures us of truth. Verse 15, And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The Holy Spirit will bring to our mind the truth. And as we focus on that truth, whether it's a scripture or a concept, we are freed and live in peace again and joy from God. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.